My assignment today is to talk to you about playing the long game. Not playing the short game, but playing the long game. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to play the long game. It's time to play the long game. You know, I've discovered in my life, in my Christian journey, that the cross will get me in the game but it's focusing on the resurrection that'll keep me in the game. Let let me say that again. The cross of Christ and the love that God showed humanity for their sin on a cross and receiving uh, the gift of what Jesus did on the cross, the work that he did on a cross will get me in the game. But I have come to determine that, you know what? The cross alone won't keep me in the game Only the resurrection from the dead will keep me focused on the end of the race. Keep me in the game so I can make it for uh, the long haul. It's not only about getting in the game of life as a believer. It's about staying in the game. It's about being in the game for uh, the long haul. So I want to talk about the long game today. Look at your neighbor and say, are you in the long game? Ask them, are you in the long game? You know, growing up, uh, my mother used to cook some fabulous uh, desserts. I mean, she was an incredible, incredible cook, one of a kind. I mean, she was amazing. But she would also always cook three meals a day, nutritious meals with vegetables, with incredible meats, all kinds of incredible uh, starches and my wife's favorite that my mother would cook was the macaroni and cheese and though she would cook these fabulous meals and she would cook these fabulous desserts as a kid growing up lots of times I wanted to get in the dessert before I got into the nutritious meal that would be nutrition for my body anybody know what I'm talking about You know, like when you carry the kids out to eat chicken nuggets instead of having them to eat the green beans. They always want the chicken nuggets and they don't always want the green beans. But how many of you know that nutrition, the fruits and vegetables and the starches and the carbs and the proteins and all of those different pieces are good for the body? How many of you know that today? But oftentimes we kind of dive into the sweets and we don't, always, we don't always get the fruits and vegetables and the proteins. And whenever I would do this as a, as a kid growing up, my mother would often say, don't spoil your appetite. Anybody else ever hear those words growing up? Don't, don't spoil your appetite. In other words, don't dive into the the chocolate pudding and the coconut cake and the lemon pie and the pecan pie and spoil your appetite. In other words, don't fill up just on the sweet stuff because there's more to come and you really need that nutrition for your body. In other words, she was saying, look, you got to be in it for the long game. Because if I would have just kind of concentrated on the little sweets in life, chances are, you know, I would have been malnourished and I, I wouldn't have grown up to have maybe a strong and healthy body and you know that we had the foods on the table but I wonder how many people in church today 
are letting the enemy spoil their appetite. I wonder how many people come to church today and are not in it for the long game. They're just in it for the short-term gain. They, they kind of only focus on the, the death of Christ on a cross, the work that he did on the cross, and they forget about the resurrection. Because, see, I, I can tell you right now, it's the power of the resurrection that lifts you and elevates you into everything that God has created you to be. And not only the resurrection of Jesus, but knowing that you're going to be resurrected in his likeness in the future, it'll keep you in the long game. See, lots of times people don't stay in the long game because life has a way of spoiling your appetite. We look at the journey of the Israelites. It's a story uh, in the Old Testament, and that journey is, is basically an illustration to us in our Christian journey uh, today and our walk with Christ today and the finished work of Christ and his resurrection. And as we look at that Israelite journey, what we see a lot of times is though God brought them out of bondage and, and brought them out of slavery, as they begin their journey and they entered into the promised land, Though they eventually got there, that they actually got their appetite spoiled by the enemy in the promised land, and they weren't following through with their assignment. Though we see this nation enter underneath the leadership of, of Joshua, and they are conquering city after city, they're being blessed by God in a powerful way, that they forgot their assignment. In, in other words, they lost sight of why God brought them into the promised land in the first place. And I want to declare to you why God brings you into his promises. It's simply so that you can stay in the game for the long haul and you can follow through with what he's assigned you to do here on earth as you focus on, on eternal things. However, God had to take this group into captivity over and over again because they settled in the promised land. God never wants you to settle. Let me, let me say that again. God never wants his people to settle. In other words, just because you scored a touchdown, celebrate, but the game ain't over. You got to stay in it for the long game. You got to stay in it to completion. And so many people are celebrating the touchdowns that God has given them in life. And God does bless, the, bless humanity in a powerful way. I've been blessed beyond my imagination. And though I have trials, I have tribulations, I have troubles, things happen to me. I live in a world where people are dying in schools every day and people are shooting people just like you do. But can I tell you something? We are a blessed people. And i got to declare to you today, the resurrection is real. And unless you hold on to the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection of Christ, evil will begin to seem to you in your eyes that it wins. But my Bible declares that in the long game, you and I win and evil will be. Evil will be purged. I believe it with all of my heart. And a lot of people are saying, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, you know, we got some good Harley Davidson riders at the beach this week. It's called Harley Week. But it rains on 
good Harley people and bad Harley people alike, right? It shuts things down. And just because you were good and come to the beach, it didn't stop the rain. And I rode around yesterday. It was amazing because normally there'd be thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of bikes on the road, but it rained all day long. And guess what? They huddled up somewhere in a hotel room. And, and, it, and it hurts business in, in, our, in, our, in our region. But can I tell you something? God didn't make it rain because it's Harley week or not Harley week. See, that's where you're mistaken. It just rains when, it, when God chooses for it to rain. And can, and can I tell you, no matter whether evil comes into the world, it is in the world, it can strike anywhere at this time. But unless, my friend, you hold on not to just the forgiveness of the cross, but unless you hold on of the resurrection and eternal life and lift and elevate your sights beyond the challenges that we face as a culture, as a group of people, as families, as individuals, can I tell you something? Then you will begin to think the wicked win. The wicked in humanity does not win. And... There's a writer in the scripture that basically says, I almost got my appetite spoiled. But, you know, I was reminded of the, of the long game. And I thought what God shared with me today, I need to share with you and remind you today of the long game. Got your Bibles today. I invite you to open it up to Psalms. Psalms chapter 73. I'm going to read through the Psalms. It's a song. It's a song written by one of King David's worship leaders. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 6 that David chose his worship leaders. I find that fascinating, and that's a whole nother sermon. But in other words, you know what? The worship, worship leaders didn't choose themselves in the house of the Lord. God told King David to choose the worship leaders because the worship leaders had a purpose. And if you go and look in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, uh, you see that David chose three particular worship leaders. And one of those worship leaders, his name is Asaph. And Asaph wrote some of these psalms that we have in our Bible, the songs that we have in our Bible. And he writes this song we're going to look at today, Psalms, Psalms 73. And he declares... Where he is in this song, he declares in his heart kind of his relationship with the Creator, and he's, he's really struggling with some things. And, and then in the middle of the song, it's like, like he takes a right turn, and he's like, but all of a sudden, as I was letting the enemy spoil my appetite, and I was focused on the short game, short-term satisfaction that destroys long-term success, he says, I remember the long game. He says, when I got sight in my heart and in my soul again of the long game everything begins to change and, and that's what I want to do today because again as we look into our world and we see all kinds of things happening 
It's really easy to get discouraged. It's, it's easy to get discouraged in church. When everything's not going your way, it's easy to get discouraged. And I know because, you know what, I am a human being, and I get discouraged lots of times, but the only way I can figure out how to find encouragement in a world that brings so much disencouragement is to go to the Word of the Lord and find encouragement for myself in the Lord. There's another passage that says that's what David did. And some people don't know how to encourage themselves. They're always looking for somebody else to encourage them. I I need you to know today that there's occasions that God expects you to encourage your own self in the Lord. And they may not be another soul on the planet that can encourage you. But your job and your assignment is to get your butt back up every day. Encourage yourself in the Lord and know that the long game is real. The resurrection is real. Forgiveness is real. And you stay the course. Don't you give up. It's a long game. It's a long game. It's a long game. It's a long game. Look at your neighbor and say it's the long game. Asaph. Asaph says in Psalms 73, let's read through the whole thing because I think it's quite remarkable. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But, everybody say but. He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. In other words, he says, you know what, as for me, God's good to Israel. He says, but I was about to spoil my appetite. I was about to take my focus off the long game. I was about to slip and fall into the trap of the enemy and miss what life is all about. He says, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. So envy had begun to penetrate his heart as he looked at the royal wedding. But must I say the royal wedding was actually fascinating yesterday. And the gospel was preached to almost two, two billion people on TV. It was amazing. The royal wedding was simply incredible. I don't know why. I thought about the royal wedding. But let's go to verse 4. He says, he says they seem to live... Such painless lives, their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They are are not plagued with problems like everyone else. He says, I almost slipped and fell. I almost gave into the short game and didn't keep in the long game because he says they wear their pride like jeweled necklaces and clothe themselves with cruelty. He says, these fat cats have everything their hearts could ever, ever wish for. He says, they scoff and they speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking all their words. In other words, you know what? It, it appears here that Asaph says, I was about to slip and fall because I almost gave into the short game and didn't stay focused on the long game and I began to look over the fence and I began to see you know what these people seem to be getting along fine they seem to have everything they need they seem to be doing business they seem to be making the real estate deals and cutting deals and doing all this stuff and it seems that they're getting ahead and I'm trying to live life with integrity and as I try to live life with integrity what happens is things be taken away from me and they seem to be gaining and he's like God what's the problem with all this you ever felt like that and he's like 
He says, I almost slipped and fell. I almost just joined in with them. Like, shoot, they got it made. They go into the beach sipping on margaritas. And they look like they got it awesome. He says, so I almost joined the short game. Pay close attention. He says, he says, what does, he says, people are dismayed and they're confused. They're, they're drinking all the words of this, this earthly prosperity. And they're like, man, you know, that's where it's at. He says, what does God know? They ask, does the most high ever, ever know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while, rich, while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? He has asked you some questions, man. This is a guy being authentic with the Lord. He's writing a song. And he's like, it looks like everybody else is winning and I'm losing. He's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. He says, did I keep myself innocent for no reason? He says, I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, he says, I would have, I would have been a traitor to your people. In other words, he says, I thought it. He says, I was thinking it. He says, my feelings were real. Anybody got some real feelings sometimes? He says, but if I would have stepped up in my position as the worship leader and I would have spoken this to, to the people that, you know, the wicked win and us innocent lose, he, he says, I, I, would, I would have been a traitor to your people. He says, because the truth is the wicked don't win. And though it feels sometimes like it ain't going your way, he's like, I remembered the long game. I need you to play the long game today. Because the short game sometimes is what we see, but faith is what we walk with. The Bible says we do not, as believers in Christ, walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And so what is your faith in? Fact. The cross has happened. And you can have faith that the cross was for you and your sin. But it is an undisputable fact. It doesn't take faith to know that the cross of Jesus has happened. It's fact. It's, it's recorded historical fact. Not only in the Bible, but in other, other resources too throughout history. Just like it's a fact that George Washington was the president of the United States. It does not take faith for you to believe that George Washington was the president of the United States. That is factual information. But what is your hope in? What have you not yet seen? What do you believe? Because the Bible says faith is hope and things that I have not yet seen, but I live as if they are true and I believe them in my heart and I walk by faith, not by sight. So I, what I believe about the cross, you know what? Yes, the cross is fact. Yes, Jesus, the Christ, died on a cross. Yes, fact. Yes, he was put in a tomb. But do you really believe that he died for you? 
Do you really believe that he was the son of God and he was nailed to a cross and his shed blood forgave you of every missing the mark of God's glorious standard that you have ever committed or will commit? Do you really believe that he gives you undenied access to the God of the universe? So your faith in what the cross is all about is what pleases God. It's not just believing there was a cross and there was a Jesus. Fact. It don't take faith to believe that. But it takes faith to believe that it was for me. And it takes faith to believe that you're going to resurrect from the dead as he resurrected. And there will be eternal life. See, I think that a lot of people are mistaken in what faith is. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And again, it's not only having faith in something, it's it's having faith in the right something and holding on to it with all of your heart. And Asaph is like, look, almost got sucked into the short-term game. He says, but then I remember that it's not the short-term game. It's the long-term game. Look what he says in verse 16. This is a turning point. He says, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. He says, but it was a difficult, he says, but what a difficult task it is. It's like, man, that's just like mind-blowing. He says, and then, this is key, verse 17, then I went into your sanctuary. I went into your presence. God, Then I went into your presence. In other words, I was wrestling with my feelings. He says, I was wrestling with what I was feeling in my heart and what I was seeing with my eyes. He says, but then I went into your sanctuary, into your presence, and I activated my faith in who you are, and it changed everything. I I need your faith to be activated today because you can just hear these words and and let let them kind of, Go over your, your, your heart and your head. But, but see, if you really are struggling, what the meaning of life is all about, he says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. In other words, I understood their, their final fin- finality. He says, truly you put them, not me, on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. He says, if an innocent... In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And when you arise, O Lord, he says, when you arise, O Lord, he says, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at the dreams of a morning. Then, he says, I realize that my heart was bitter. In other words, bitterness had set in to, to my heart. He says, And I was all torn up inside. Anybody feel torn up inside occasionally as you look around and it it don't seem to be going the way that that you think it should be going? He says, then I was torn up. I was all torn up inside. He says, I was so foolish and ignorant. In other words, he says, I was an idiot. Has anybody ever admitted that you're an idiot? When, When you go with what you feel, and what you see instead of what God has said I feel like an idiot ignorant lots of times 
I feel like the worship leader here, Asaph. I, I feel confused sometimes. I, I, I feel sometimes in my heart that, dang, I want to win. But it looks like everybody else around me is winning and I'm losing. Anybody ever feel that way? See, but he says, I was foolish. I was ignorant. Bitterness was setting in my heart. He says, and he says, I must have to you, God, seem like a senseless animal. He says, yet I still belong to you. Come on, somebody. He says, I still belong to you. you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. He says, whom have I have but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. He says, my health may fail. He says, and my spirit may grow weak. He says, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you, God. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. He says, I, he says, I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. He says, I will tell everyone about the wonderful about the wonderful things you do. So here in this passage of Scripture, Asaph reminds us that sometimes in life we are going to be tempted and pulled towards the short game. He says, but would you, would you just for a minute Get your heart and your eyes off the yardage and the touchdown. And would you focus on the end of the race and the end of the game and let that bring encouragement to your soul and your spirit and your life no matter what's going on in the short game. And, and here as this, this writer Asaph, this worship leader is writing this song, there were some corrupt officials in in the society, and he, he's referring back to, man, it looks like they've got the, the offices, they got the place, they got all the, all the things going on, and he says, here I am, God. He says, man, I'm giving it all I got for your kingdom, and it seems like they're winning and I'm losing, but he says, then I stepped in to the sanctuary. Then I stepped into your presence. See, see, I think there's somebody here today that needs to take heart in that message today. You, you need to step into the sanctuary. You need to step into the presence of the Almighty, of your Creator, to the one that created the stars, the moon, created the sea, created the beaches, created you and created me, and begin to get advice from Him about eternal things. Don't just believe in a forgiveness of a cross. Understand, He came back from the dead, and He resurrected from the dead, and you better set your heart on the resurrection. So the first thing I wrote down, if you really, really want to play the long game, you gotta, you got to step into God's presence. Look what he says, Psalm 73, verses 16 and 17. He says, I was, I was, I was so tired. He says, he says, I tried to understand why the wicked prospered, but it was a difficult task. He says, then I went into your sanctuary. He got, I finally understood 
the destiny of the wicked. In other words, it is those who believe in who you are, trust you by faith, step into forgiveness and enter your presence and begin to get advice from you every day who they are in a world that has been plagued by this thing called sin. See, and if you're not stepping into God's presence, or maybe today you don't know how, I, I got to share with you today because some of us are trying to get into God's presence with our prayers. Nothing wrong with prayers is how we communicate to God. Some of us are trying to get into God's presence, our Creator's presence, by what we do, the checks we write. Nothing wrong with those sacrifices, nothing wrong with those things. But, but let me be crystal clear today. There's only one way to step into the presence of your creator. And it's by believing and trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. Do you, by faith, believe that he died for you? And resurrected from a grave so that you have access to your creator wherever you go in life. There is no more barrier between God and his creation. The Bible says Jesus came and took the sin of the world away. He bore the sin of the world on his shoulders and as a type of you have divine access to God, the Bible says the moment he shed his blood and gave his life on the cross, the Bible says in the temple of Jerusalem, the curtain, the barrier split from top to bottom to let all people recognize that no longer do they need a high priest to go behind the curtain, that we are a priest of believers and you can step into the very presence of your creator anytime you want to, any place you want to. You can do it in the bathroom. You can do it in the bedroom. You can do it in the car. You can do it right here, right now. But are you going? You can do it in the storm. You can do it in the, in the, in the sunshine. You can do it on the hilltop and you can do it in the valley. But see, there's only one way to step into his presence. It's through Christ Jesus. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the access. And see, some of you are, are saying, I believe that by faith, but you live life and you deny what he's done because you don't enter into God's presence. You just kind of go through life saying, God, I want, I want to do good today and not do bad so I can get in your presence. No, no, no. It, listen to me. It is this simple. The good news is this. Jesus paid a high price for the sin of humanity on a cross. It is finished. To tell us die. it is over. No longer do you pay for your sin. You step in by the payment that God made on a cross and you access the creator. Oh, what a blessing. See? But some of us, we sit in the world every day and we're going, God, Let me get on my knees 
and beg you to stop trying. You can't access God by trying more. And if I could be a prophetic voice and like some of the prophets, if I could just lay here, if I could just lay here, if I was naked, get that image out of your head. Sometimes you feel like a prophet. You feel like God. Oh my God. I just wish somebody would step in your access, God. Wish somebody would let the praises of heaven just flood out down in their heart. And God, we would let our praises go up so your blessings come down. But God, we would recognize the one and only one. His name is Jesus. And sometimes you just feel like a prophetic voice, a, a beggar. You feel like you're begging God on behalf of people, but you're trying to, trying to access God to people. And you just, you just feel like laying down in the middle of the street. I, I can identify with that prophet, I'm telling you. You're like, dude, wake up. Come on, somebody, wake up. Slap your neighbor and tell him to wake up. Tell him to wake up. Tell him to wake up. preach it every week it's through Christ Jesus Christ Jesus alone and when is the world going to discover that God gave a gift his name is Jesus and maybe by faith you have not received that gift oh I'm not saying you you don't trust historical books that he died on a cross but have you have you activated your faith and it was for you personal have you made it personal see see you got to go into God's presence and you only go through Christ Number two is this. Yes, I wrote down, if you really want to stay in the long game, you got to remember you're doing better than you really think you are. Dude, I talk to myself all the time. Do you? I know they got medicine for that. But the only medicine you need is, and again, I'm, I'm not, don't hear me discing medicine. I think medicine's awesome and it comes from the Lord and it comes from doctors and it's prescribed to us and it's incredible, okay? I'm not, I'm not up here on one of them homeopathic whatever. Is that what you call it, Kim? Is that the right word? What is the natural medicine? I'm not up here on that, on that kick. I'm just being clear today, okay? Because some people misread what a preacher says and that ain't where I'm at. I just want to be clear. But the real medicine we needed in our hearts is accessing God and remembering that you're doing better than you really think you are. Because the enemy will keep you so discouraged and so beat up that you'll you'll begin to think, man, I'm telling you, discouragement gets in the heart. And this is where Asaph is. He's like, dude, God, I was on a slippery slope. I was about to trip and fall. I was about to fall over into that trap. And he says, man, I was thinking they're doing so much better than they are by, by what they're doing. He says, but then, then I took heart and I sat in your presence. He says, he says, and I remember this, verse 23. He says, he says, I still belong to you. He says, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me, this is key, to a glorious destiny. See, 
He's like, God, I, I remembered you're with me. And you made a promise. And I have a destiny. And my destiny ain't here. My destiny is with you in all eternity. And no matter what goes on here, God, he says, I know that you're in full control. I know evil has entered the world. I know that sin has entered the world. But I also know what you say, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. And by by what Jesus has done for me on the cross, and he was the firstborn among many people who are going to believe, he's the firstborn above uh, in this new kingdom, this new generation. I am so glad that I belong to him for what he's done for me and God I know you're going to hold my hand I know that I'm going to mess up but I know this too I know that my eternity is real and I will hang on to that with all of my heart come on somebody you're doing better than you think you are and when we when we trip and fall we stumble again shame and guilt and all these things they, they set in and I'm not saying that you should, you should try to not do what, what God asks us to do because the Bible says it's with our obedience that, that the blessings begin to flow in our life. But some people have this whole idea of, you know, I received the forgiveness of sin from a cross, but, but they, they live life as they deny the work of the cross, which is forgiving them of their sin and letting them access God. But, but can I tell you, when you access God, He brings encouragement to your soul to the power of His Spirit all day long. Every day, you begin to walk with Him. You begin to to be, be coached by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God enters you. And I can tell you right now, He will remind you every time the enemy starts saying, you know, it's over, just get to prayer. You know, you can go to the Word of the Lord and He will encourage you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will begin to just elevate yourself. You know, you will begin to just throw your own party in your backyard. Anybody ever throw your own party? I do that. I just encourage myself in the Lord. And I'm like, dude, yeah, it's falling apart. Bills are stacking up. People ain't doing what they're supposed to do. I stood in this very on this very platform last week and did what God told me to do. He said, somebody in this room is supposed to write a $100,000 check. Guess what? Nobody wrote the $100,000 check. But let me be clear. God said for me to say it. And he says, you say it, and you leave the rest up to me. So with boldness and courageous spirit, I said, somebody in this room needs to write a $100,000 check. Nobody did it. Does that mean that I'm an idiot and I don't hear from God? No. I heard clear from God. It's just that the person with the $100,000 hadn't heard from God yet. I'm being serious. So you can't be scared. You got to believe God. And what God says, and you got to walk with God by faith, and you got to trust what He says. Somebody says, "Well, why does the church need a hundred thousand dollars?" Because because we 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 just kind of skeet by every week. It's what we do here. And a lot of us sit in the seats, and we just like, "Oh, praise the Lord for the blessing." Well, how about the contribution? 
so we can bless some more people. See, we forget. We forget why we're blessed. The people of Israel forgot why they were blessed. And I'm inviting you to hear from the Lord. But you won't hear from the Lord unless you step into his access, access him through Christ Jesus. You've got to be clear. But he will counsel you every step of the way. So, you know, the next thing is this. You're doing better than you really think you are. And you're not crazy. And even when you talk to yourself, the words of Scripture, I'm just here to encourage you today. You know what? No, no, no. God is who he says he is. And get, if you don't have the, the substantial things here on earth, just take heart. Because there is an eternity, there is a new heaven, there is a new earth, and there is a God who will do what he says he will do in the end. And you've got to believe it with all of your heart. Live life. Live life. ASAP, I'm telling you, this guy's struggling. People don't like a person that struggles. Like, well, you, you, you gotta you gotta know everything. No, you struggle. And I think a person that knows everything don't always struggle with the real thing. Because you know what? The enemy begins to tell their soul, you're all that in a bag of chips. And you just settle. You just settle. You just settle. God is not into settling. I want to be clear today. God is not into settling. He has an eternal plan. He is carrying that eternal plan out. He is into us resting in who he is and what the future holds. But he ain't in to a homestead and you just settling and it's you for and no more. God has a purpose and God has a plan and it is for all nations, all tribes, all tongues, everywhere. Don't settle. Don't settle. And I've discovered when settling begins to happen, whether you're in the promised land or in the wilderness, God will shake things up. He will shake things up. Why do you think the church got scattered in Jerusalem after the time of Christ? Because they settled. You should go read Acts 2 sometimes. It was like we had home group meetings. It was awesome. And we were giving to one another, loving one another, hallelujah. And it was awesome there in Jerusalem. And they were encouraging one another there in Jerusalem. They were having home group meetings, small group, encouraging each other. But they weren't encouraging each other in the mission, they were encouraging each other in who they were in the Lord, but they forgot their purpose, the purpose of the Lord in who they were to reach out to all nations. And I want to be crystal clear today. The Bible says God allowed calamity to come into Jerusalem and scatter the people all over the world because, yes, they were meeting together, but no, they weren't about reaching out to all people everywhere. And Jesus was clear in Acts chapter 1. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start here in Jerusalem. But then you're going to go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 
And what do you study in the book of Acts in the first few chapters? They all stayed huddled up in Jerusalem and forgot the mission. The Bible says God allowed the enemy to come in, destroy the temple, and scatter the people everywhere. Though they were gathered, they weren't gathered with God's mission in their heart. And this is so hard for church people to understand sometimes. Because what we do is we're like, man, it's awesome just hanging out with the group. And it is. It's incredible. Everybody needs a group. But group life alone, I want to be clear today, will not get the job done that God is asking humanity to do, which is to get the good news out around the world and who he is. He's one that came up, paid a high price for sin. He resurrected from a grave so people could access the creator and walk in the fullness of who he says they are. Oh. It got quiet up in this Baptist church. Just teasing, this isn't a Baptist church, it's non-denominational. I love being a prophet. Because the prophetic voice is supposed to challenge you where you sit and move the people out of their seat. And again, it's the voice that God gave me. It's the voice I got to speak with. Because I feel like Barefoot Church has hit this place. Of settling in the promised land. And enjoying the blessings of God. But not sharing the blessing of who God is. It's easy to do. I'm just going to retire. And I need to invite you today. The wicked don't win. God wins. And he wins through Christ Jesus. But he gets the name of Christ Jesus out through his people, which is called the called out ones, the local church. And I really get excited about speaking to the church about our mission and our purpose and what God has called us to do. But again, you know, we all struggle with these feelings, but we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And the last thing I wrote about Asaph in this passage of Scripture, you can tell I hadn't preached in a couple of weeks. I think it's been two weeks, one week, two weeks. Because I've been meditating on this gig for a while. And I could be, you know, there's, I, I, I come up with, I, I guess, probably 10 sermons out of Psalm 20 or, or 73. It's amazing. Psalm 73, last thing I wrote down is never stop declaring the goodness of God's eternal plan. Look what he says. He says, those who desert him will perish for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, he says, how good it is to be near God. He says, I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things 
you do. He says, I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. And so I wrote down in my journal, you got to keep deciding to declare who God is instead of denying who he is. And in spite of what you see going on around you in the world and things aren't happening and lining up exactly like your mind always thinks they should line up, you can never stop declaring who God is, his eternal plan, and his goodness. You got to stay the course. You got to fight the fight. You got to pour yourself out like a drink offering. You got to give of yourself over and over. You got to keep laying yourself on the altar. You have to keep offering your body up as a living sacrifice because this is your true act of worship. And though what you see is, is trying to deny God, you got to declare that he is who he says he is. He is the God of the universe. He is eternal. And he is making all things new. That's the song we should have sung right now. Making all things new. Because he's making a new heaven. He's making a new earth. And the Bible says the old will pass away. He will throw into the abyss the enemy and all evildoers who follow the enemy, he will throw him into a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. They will be separated from God's kingdom for all eternity. And it is going to be an amazing place with King Jesus, a new heaven, a new earth, and a kingdom walking with no sin in the world. It's going to be amazing. So take heart your current situation do not be discouraged do not be dismayed let's fight the good fight let's win the race let's believe that God is who he says he is let me pray for you God you're amazing God I pray for you today I pray for people today that God you would speak to their heart by and God they would exercise their faith they would trust you with all of their heart God, I know there's some people that are discouraged. There's some people just walked in here today. God, they're just fighting for the next moment. God, I pray you'd be the master of their life. And you wouldn't let them just fight for the next moment, God. You would let them fight with audacity. And you would let them believe, God, that you are who you say they are. God, the wicked don't win. We win in the end, those of us who believe and trust you. Trust the work of Christ on the cross. Trust in the resurrection. So God, I pray today that you would let us walk by faith and not by sight. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.